Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. She felt really convinced because she said that when they were doing their crack, he had confided in her and said he had a dream that he killed Shelly and, and buried her body in, in that house. After they close, guys are still pulling in. Some of the girls that work Hamilton Road have HIV, and they don't tell their Johns, and they don't use protection. Welcome to Stand Up, Speak Up, a podcast dedicated to spreading awareness about issues that usually get swept under the rug. This episode is brought to you by Wearable Therapy by Toki. Back when we launched part one of Finding Shelley DeRoche, we had no real plan beyond the first few episodes. We wanted to raise awareness around Shelley's disappearance, tell the story of her life, and help bring about change to a system that led her down a dark path. However, after a mountain of media attention and tips and evidence pouring in, we decided to dig deeper. Chris Williams from Canadian Private Investigation Services volunteered his time, and we now had a true professional on the case to help us out. Chris and Carla hit the streets of London, Ontario, but maybe not the streets you'd imagine in the friendly Forest City. We're talking about the slums with boarded-up crack houses, a coffee shop where staff regularly have to clean blood of injection users off of bathroom walls, and Hamilton Road, the area where Shelley was last seen and is still a hotspot for sex workers. We listened to whoever would talk, hoping to find clues that would lead us to an answer about what happened to Shelley DeRoche, or maybe insight regarding some of the possibilities that were already on our radar. Today, in Part 7 of Finding Shelley DeRoche, you'll hear about Chris and Carla's first trip to London, what they discovered, and what the plan is next. And we can already tell you that the next episode is not to be missed. Stay tuned to the end for a heart-pounding preview of what's coming next time. But now, on this visit, Carla and Chris started out at a Tim Hortons coffee shop on Hamilton Road, not far from where Shelley was last seen. So we went and hung out there, which is kind of a central point where everything happens. Got some coffee, hung around, waited for some people to come by. And and I did get to meet a really nice kid. And his girlfriend worked at the Tim's there. And and he was just talking about the reality of working at the Tim's at that location because a lot of the drug users go into the bathroom and shoot up and then blood spurts everywhere. And they're responsible for cleaning it up, the Tim's employees. So we went in there and got some, you know, just photos of the needles and stuff that, that are that are laying around. And I just felt so sorry for those Tim employees that have to deal with all that. I mean, really, it's, it's a very unsafe neighborhood. At night, Carla spoke to a couple outside this Tim Hortons who live in the neighborhood. They had come to walk a female friend home who works there, as she's too afraid to walk alone after some past experiences. So you've seen Shelly walking around here before? Yeah, many a times. Did you ever talk to Shelly? How, how what, did you see her? No, I never really talked. She asked for a cigarette or something yeah. like that. I've seen her around here lots. Did, did you see her at all closer I, to the time she she went missing? Geez, I don't know. That was like, what, a year ago? Yeah. It's been a year, right? Yeah. Well, it's January I saw her lots walking the street here. Lots walking the street. 
And I thought, oh my God, poor girl walking the street like that. But yeah, every day, every day I've seen her here. And like I say, I think it was a drug house. I don't know if it was the yellow brick one yes. or what. But so, I, I, I don't know, getting drugs. I've seen her getting in and out of cars. Yes. So is so. this a popular place for the Johns to kind of come and pick yeah. up the girls? Yeah, yeah they come and see. I have a friend that lives up there, and she says she sees it a lot at nighttime. After they close, guys are still pulling in, pulling in. They're pulling in. And looking for girls. And how, do you, how do you feel the neighborhood's changed? I've seen lots. I've been in the neighborhood 20 years. Oh, wow. Okay, have you been in here that long, too? And how frustrating is it for you guys to see this? It's brutal. Yeah. I hate the it. drugs. I and, hate it. Oh yeah, can't what, do anything about it. People robbing you. Know, they're going through backyards. And what can you do as a person that lives here? Like, what are your options? Like, you call the police. Like, is there like a community watch? Like, or do you- the, the police don't do anything? Time they get here, they're gone. The uh, the girl we're waiting for right now, she works in here, and she has to deal with it a lot too. Ba- bathroom, they have to code it. Drugs, needles, blood. They're ignorant. They shoot blood on the walls and the floor. Oh, my God. They do stuff stupid. And, and the girls have to clean it up? And the girls have to clean it, yeah. And do they feel like, do they feel safe being here? She doesn't like being alone at night. She doesn't have authority to, to tell, yell at them, get out. And you have we, to come pick her up. We do. We do, because we live close. She's she lives three or four blocks away from here, so yeah. And that's so Maybe she doesn't even want to walk three or four blocks. Yeah. She's had people follow her and vehicles and stuff, so I'm here every day. Every day. Every day, and I see and I know who the guys are that are picking up girls. I talked to one guy, I thought he was a nice old guy. He yeah. told me he owned property in Florida and this yeah, you know, and you have a nice truck, seventy thousand dollar truck. And all and I saw a girl get in his truck here and I know she's a hooker. And that seems to be typical. As you'll hear now, a sex worker who's scouting out her next potential client tells Carla what type of men come around looking for these services. Someone that ain't getting it at home. One that is getting getting it. it. Some do get it at home, but But little do they know, some of the girls that work Hamilton Road have HIV, and they don't tell their Johns, and they don't use protection. So the way I see it, they're giving it to the John, and that guy's going to take it home if he's got kids or a wife, whatever, and it's wrong. Well, what what kind of cars are these Johns driving? You've seen it yourself. BMWs, um, Mercedes. One bird. Another well, kind's come do down they negotiate here. the fee? Do they get cheap with it? or do they, they try, but a lot of girls hold their ground and they get what they want. They know these girls want a pill, so she'll say it's $40 for whatever length of time. What is the, what is the going rate? And he'll throw a $10 um, bill at her and throw her out of the car type thing. They're just normally, for... It depends on if you're working the street or for the agency, because a lot of girls like to try and charge with the agency charges, which is 120 an hour. Or what do you get for that? Um, whatever they want to do. But if they want to go bareback, as they say, it costs more. Where do they? Where do they do it? Do they do it in a car? Do they in go to a car. hotel? In the cars. And I mean, do you ever get in the car and there's like a baby seat in the back? Yep, there has been. So van that's got two baby seats in the back and a booster seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now the cops, I guess, are cracking down on the Johns. Are they? So they're like, 
the John's getting more trouble than the girls do now. Well, that's good news because the girls shouldn't get in any trouble. They're trying to get it where if a John gets arrested, they're going to publish the John's name in the paper. Yes, I do because then their wives have all rights to know and can go in and get checked. How much do you need to make each day? About 80 bucks a day. Okay. And if you make less than that, what are the I'm sicker than sick. And how hard is that to make? Hard sometimes. Sometimes it is hard. So, well, we have today, what do you have to make today? I still got to, your, the gentleman there gave me 20 bucks. I still got to try and make another 60 bucks today. Okay, and that would be one guy to meet? Yeah, if, yeah. Can you tell right who's a prospect for you, like that guy going through with the loud music? Would he be? He would be probably one of them. If I had seen his face, because there is a guy that actually is down this way with that kind of car and the loud music. But I couldn't tell if that guy was a white guy or a dark guy. Or it doesn't matter? No. But is it more white guys? It's more white guys, yeah. Do they ever ask you how you doing? Yeah, some of them will actually take you for coffee and everything else. They don't want sex. Like, I have a friend, he drives a white truck. He comes down and checks on all the working girls. He doesn't expect anything. He takes them for something to eat and a coffee. Because he knows if he hands the money over, it's going on dope. His mom used to be a working girl, and she's passed, so he checks in on the girls to make sure they're all right, because he'd rather them not be on the street at all working. After spending some more time talking to others and getting a feel for the area, we were reminded of just how mysterious Shelley's disappearance was. This is a very tight-knit community, and since most of the drug users don't work, there always seem to be somebody around watching. There are other girls out working the street, neighbors who don't do drugs. So for Shelley to vanish without a trace or without anybody seeing anything, especially with her being so well-known from frequenting the area, is quite disconcerting. Everybody knows everybody's business. What they basically do is they sit outside all these different locations and observe. This one lady, she's always at the Tim's and she's always, she always knows what's going on in the neighborhood. It's almost like a town onto itself. You know, it's like this neighborhood and they're all in each other's business. So she had a she had a couple theories. One which right after she said it I knew couldn't be couldn't be valid because it was about Shelley's ex-husband taking her to BC and keeping her in a hotel room and, and pimping her out. But we know that that can't be true. And the other one was that someone of which she names the people slid her throat and threw her into some type of dumpster you know and it was over a bad drug deal whatever you know and and for us to go to another uh, one of the houses and talk to people and try to get more information so that's kind of where we went next everybody has different theories and they're all around the crack houses some of the working girls believe it's a bad john so they'll say well you know the taxi cab drivers give us a hard time they hate women and Shelly would always rip the taxi drivers off, jump out so she didn't have to pay. And then another one would say, well, you know, we have, you know, bad Johns are really, there's a lot of them around here. It, you know, if she hustled and ripped off 
the wrong person too many times, you know, you have to be really careful because they can be abusive. Because some of the girls I talked to said it's very common for a guy to, to beat us or throw us out of the car while it's going. And, uh, I mean, they really treat us like we're throwaway and we're not human. So I'd say that everybody had an opinion. And people are all naming all these different people. And, and, and of course, we can't say the names. And as we spoke to more and more people, names did become an issue. It wasn't long before we had heard a few names repeatedly, suggesting the possibility that these individuals may have been responsible for Shelley's disappearance. Not only did we get names, but also particular houses they frequented, rumors about what may have happened, and stories about their behavior. For many reasons, we can't share those names publicly. And other identities we must protect are those of some people who spoke to us. The ones who shared these details feared retaliation if the suspects got word. Therefore, we can't share all the audio recordings of the interviews or some specifics that may give away who we spoke with, but we'll still do our best to tell the story. The important thing is, we do have their real names and we'll be handing our findings over to the police. One woman told Carla this eerie story. She had a very clear idea of what happened to Shelley and that a guy in the neighborhood, we did go to his, he's a landlord of a, of a crack house or manages a crack house, whatever, and that he killed her one night and then buried the body in his house. And she felt really convinced because she said that when they were doing their crack, he had confided in her and said he had a dream that he killed Shelly and, and buried her body in, in that house. And she said it was enough to creep her out and make her not wanna not want to prostitute anymore. And she didn't want to ever go back to that house, which is kind of a popular crack house in the neighborhood. Coming up, a preview of the next episode, and you won't believe where Chris and Carla end up. Next, a rundown of their findings after day one on the streets of London. This is Stand Up Speak Ups, Finding Shelley DeRoche, Part 7. We can all make a positive difference in the world. At Stand Up Speak Up, we aim to raise awareness around bigger problems that require many minds and hearts working together to solve. However, small acts of kindness and love are something we can each commit to doing to make this world a happier and safer place to live. That's why Wearable Therapy by Toki has committed to accomplishing 3,000 acts of kindness by the year 2020. The Stand Up Speak Up podcast is just one of the ways we're doing that. Wearable Therapy by Toki, along with its members, have already completed over 450 acts of kindness, such as donating money, clothing, and supplies to various charities and organizations throughout the world, placing 100 scarves around the Toronto, Hamilton, and Niagara area, for anybody who needed one during the cold winter, volunteering at St. John Ambulance, and providing books for kids at the Ontario Youth Detention Centre. Your continued support makes all of this possible. Visit StandUpSpeakUpToki.com, check out our wearable therapy store, and help us reach 3,000 acts of kindness by 2020. We're back on Stand Up, Speak Up. Now... After gathering information from people in the area where Shelley frequented and was last seen, Carla and private investigator Chris Williams run through some theories on what may have happened. Okay, so we've been here in London 16 hours, 
So what have we learned in those 16 hours about Shelley's case? There's two possible theories. One which was a bad date. And we've heard that a lot of the girls out here have had many bad dates. Or someone she was buying the drugs from or someone involved in the trade may have killed her. Those are the two very possible theories. Uh, And then there's the other issue where this could have been simply a sudden death or an overdose. And she was simply, I hate to use the word, disposed of, taken away, simply because they didn't want the ambulance and the subsequent investigation of police attending a drug house. I mean, I find kind of that, bad for business. I find that last one really hard to believe. Just last night, you know, walking around and, and seeing the drug houses and talk and the crack houses and seeing the people that live in the crack houses, I just feel like you wouldn't be able to keep that a secret if there was an overdose and they disposed of the body. I just think somebody would break at at one point, and I don't think people would be surprised to see an overdose person. I mean, just in one night, we saw two what the police would term major incidents. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're major incidents, but you know, 20 cop cars. I just find that could be. The thing is, if you are, as our friends explained to us yesterday, and what we're seeing is it's true, um, you either shut up, you comply, or the only thing they fear worse than death, believe it or not, is having the access to the drugs taken away. And that's almost a fate worse than death. So would they look the other way to continue to be able to obtain drugs from their dealer? I don't, yeah, I don't, somebody, I don't buy the, the overdose. I just don't think it would be, well, I don't think it would create this much fear in the streets because a lot of people have overdosed and it's very common here. And if you talk to anybody in the streets, they know multiple people that have, that have overdosed. But you still don't want it happening in your in your trap house. You still don't want it happening in your crack house. But they it's, do. I don't. Is that worthy enough of going to this degree? I just feel like if they think that they will be cut off from the supply of drugs, yes, because that is the biggest fear: is them being seen as untrustworthy, being deemed as a rat, and the biggest fear is not being sold drugs anymore. So there's there's one. There is the the accidental overdose, dispose of the body. Mm-hmm. Number two is a bad date. Mm-hmm. Last night we saw that the Johns line up in the Tim Hortons once it closes it, it, and they it, wait for the girls to come. It's obscene. It, it, the, the, the Tim Hortons there is, is kind of like the staging area at the airport where you wait for your, your friend's flight to come in. So yeah. they're, they're waiting there with a coffee in hand in their car, waiting for the girls to hit the street and they'll window shop. It, it's obscene. Yeah. I mean, that was Shelley's hunting ground right there. There's Mike Arnfield who believes there could be a serial killer that's currently targeting these girls on the street. If that's, if that's true and the police weren't looking out for a serial killer, then shame on them um, because it's been highlighted quite a bit by Mike and by a lot of the the media that that could be a potential three girls usually just don't go missing and if it is a serial killer they would probably be to be a John Mike Arnfield was really good at just kind of talking about how 
whoever did Shelley, they're already in the system and nobody, somebody just didn't go missing or get murdered and it's a first offense. So there's somebody that's no. already in the system and it's a matter of identifying and, and trying to track down who that is. The next thing is the idea that it's a drug dealer or it happened in a crack house and um, Shelley was confrontational. She could be quite outspoken. When we went to the crack houses last night, there were quite a few cops. So cops were actually cracking down on some of them, but it was more to do with, you know, domestic violence happening in the house. But I would say that it seemed quite calm among the crack houses, but there were multiple. I mean, we saw at least 10. So if it is a, a dealer, then how, how, do you, how do you start peeling back the onion and starting to investigate that angle? If, if we focus on that angle as the The, the, the problem angle. is the last 48 hours of what Shelly did is crucial. And she had multiple phones. She was known to leave personal belongings at some of these homes. Whereas, again, if you or I and our wallet was found in one of these homes, that would be a massive red flag. But with her, it was it was just Shelly. That's, that's what she did. She would have to leave belongings there because she would get drugs sort of, you know, on spec and then have to come back and leave almost her belongings collateral. So that was something that was done. Well, let, let's talk about the, the crack <clears throat> houses. So it's where... Um, and for those in the audience who don't know what a crack house is, it's a place where people go and they do their drugs. Um, and a lot of times they just do do crack. They don't bring usually heroin into these homes or marijuana. It's it's a crack house for a reason. They're all kind of freebasing and they're in a non-judgmental environment, probably hanging out on, well, they are hanging out on beat up couches and, and kind of egging each other on. So if it did indeed take place in a crack house, it would have been some type of argument that escalated. Never underestimate how petty these situations can arise from. These are not people in the right frame of mind. And with the dealer's strength and showing who's boss, is, that's their armor. You do not cross these people. Um, they will not be taken advantage of. They will not be ripped off. They will not be embarrassed. And if you do, there's consequences. That's how they maintain that level of fear that we saw. That's how they maintain control and continue that level of fear. We went to the house, the last house that Shelley was seen at. We went there. There was a, a lot of police cruisers there because they pulled somebody over for some some drugs. So they, the canine mm -hmm. unit out and uh, we got to talk to a, a, a couple there that lives in the house. They didn't know Shelley, but they've heard of Shelley. And, they knew of her, uh, yeah. The rest that are in the house just didn't want to come out. The cops were there, and she said they were in the middle of doing all their, their drugs when the cops came, so they all kind of are hiding. And then there's another house that she went to down the street, a uh, house she also frequented. We couldn't get to meet any of them. They were kind of all inside because there were so much cops in the neighborhood that night, probably more than, than normal. So it was hard for us to kind of... Usually you can just walk around and, and see people on their balconies and go and chat with them, but there was really not many people out what we did learn at that large uh, house that again is reported to be another crack house, one of the people in there held some of the girls there at knife point and they had the tactical team from London come in and, you know, arrest the guy. Again, we were there less than an hour and you have one 
incredibly violent issue where you have a guy with a knife or a knife or machete yeah. threatening a house full of women. Yeah. So that was good it's a been, crack house. I mean, of, and crack all the neighbors house. that we spoke to, yeah, there's and they've reported it, but again, it just get it just flourishes. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. So from last night, I think that what we learned is going to be very hard to get people to talk. It's mm-hmm. very hard to get them motivated because they just want immediate drugs satisfaction yes. at that time. But definitely we walked in her footsteps. We went to the same areas she went. Um, now it's a matter of, as we mentioned, peeling back the onion. And Chris here, you're going to take on some, you know, some tasks yourself to mm-hmm. try to... Well, we're definitely you know, going to try and... the last 24 hours, 48 hours. Try and speak to the people. But as you can see, it's very hard. I mean, again, in, in less than an hour out there, it was an incredibly violent issue. Thankfully, the police were there that time. But again, that gives you a peek into the level of violence that exists in these communities. The more I sort of see this, I think that this was something that went wrong as a result of a drug transaction. You know, that last 24 to 48 hours is, is going to be absolutely critical. Next time on Stand Up Speak Ups, finding Shelly DeRoche. So we're going to go into the house that they say something happened to Shelly, and I'm going to be going down to the basement. Carla and Chris go inside a house where Shelly's body is rumored to be buried. Oh, shit. Shit. And speak face-to-face with one man whose name came up as a possible suspect. When you heard about Shelly's disappearance, how did you feel? That's next time on Stand Up Speak Up's Finding Shelly DeRoche. Stay tuned for your bonus content today. We speak with a woman who lives in one of the houses that Shelly was last seen at. Seems each time we meet up, there is something going on. In our conversation, there are words we both avoid. And a cloud of smoke protects us, covers silence, hides the stairs. But it's such a painful pleasure, spending time with the one you Why do I get these feelings? I'm not sure if they're going to last I may be chasing a memory A secret desire for the past A secret desire for the past
Thanks for sticking around for the bonus content. During Chris and Carla's first visit to London, Carla spoke with a woman who lived in one of the houses where Shelley was last seen, but was in the process of moving out. So you <laughs> moved in here how long ago? Uh, two months ago. And how has that experience been for you? My cat got murdered here. I'm moving out. Your cat got murdered? Yeah. How did that happen? I took in a young child, a teenager, and uh, unfortunately trying to clean him up off drugs with my experience that I have to clean people up like that, he ended up uh, killing the cat. How was that? Uh, still kills. <laughs> it hurts. What happened to the, to the child? He's out on bail and I'm going through a case and a trial. Just a quick interjection. I'm Zach Tolstoy, one of the founders of Stand Up Speak Up. Our podcast is just one part of the Stand Up Speak Up brand. We are supported by an online store of the same name where we sell a variety of artisan products. We have an ongoing blog series with over a dozen contributors, and we offer a series of interactive workshops. Throughout the different iterations of Stand Up Speak Up, our core message and purpose have always been the same. To create a site that allows our customers and us more opportunities to speak up about and support causes, organizations, and groups that we're passionate about, and that of course could use additional support. My mother and I have learned about allyship over the years from what feels like a thousand and one places and people. We want to encourage members of this fantastic Stand Up Speak Up community to come along and learn with us. So along with our team, we created this workshop featuring videos, articles, and exercises that have really helped the two of us in our own journey towards allyship. Don't worry, it doesn't cost any money, and you don't need to make an account to access the information. We want to make our workshop as accessible as possible because we believe in our message and understand the importance of spreading awareness. The Ally Workshop is split into eight parts, including interactive quizzes and helpful videos. It's intended to introduce you to new skills and courses of action in the world of allyship. The workshop is easy to use and can be done entirely on your cell phone, tablet, or computer at your own pace, with each of the eight sections taking an average of about 15 minutes or so to complete, or a breezy couple hours on a Sunday afternoon. And is he in the system now, the child? He's in, like, he's a wardship of CAS. He has been. He's 18 years old. And uh, he's living at the Sally right now. It's just down the street from me. And what made you want to take, like, tell me about that. Like, how um, did that happen? I knew the kid that he hung around with really well. Yeah. It was, it's one of my stepchildren, actually. Okay. And he come back into his life. He was fine when we first knew him. And just things escalated. 
And where did you move from? Goddard. God, and you moved here. How did you find out about this house? It was for rent. <laughs> I just walked by and seen a for rent sign. And how many people live in this house? Uh, don't know how many people, but there's five units. There's five. Yes. Do you feel safe in this house? I feel safe in this neighborhood because I know a lot of my neighbors. You do? Yes. This house? No, because my cat got murdered. Yeah. But you feel comfortable with your current roommates? Uh, no, I have cameras up. You have cameras up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they record all the time. I've been broken into almost twice now. Did you know that when you moved in here it was like a drug house? Not this house, no. You did not know that. I, so, I did so not know that. When house. you came, did you just move in without a tour? You just moved in? No, I checked it out and it, and it was really okay. quiet and you know what I mean? It seemed fine. I have, as I said, friends and family in the area. Didn't really think anything of this house. Okay, so how <laughs> how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you... I'm moving out. I've signed my, my apartment over to my friend and I'm moving out. So who would be successful living here? Nobody. <laughs> Somebody that did drugs? Well, no, if you do drugs, I wouldn't recommend this place because it's all around you. How would you stay away from it? You, and you have, you said that you helped this this kid. Did you yourself go through I've gone addiction? through an addiction, yes, I have. And how have you been able to live in a house of drug users when you're trying to be clean? I've been clean for many years. How have you? 13 years. 13 years? Yeah. I've been clean off my drug. And how, okay, how, how do you recommend, do you, like, how would you recommend me, someone that's trying to find out what happened to Shelly, interacting with drug dealers? You have to know the world. You have to know the world. You have and it's to very have obvious the I'm not part of the world, so you can tell. Well, <laughs> it's not that you're not part of the world, it's all around us. You just have to really watch what's going on. And a lot of people overlook that stuff. And do you feel like the police keep the neighborhood safe? At times. Do you feel that this was appropriate, what they just did yeah. now? There was nothing wrong with this. It was a normal procedure. I see nothing wrong with this. Did they find any drugs? No. Yes, they did. Oh, they did. And was this person in the house? No. So where would they be hanging out? They were just driving by, and next thing we knew, the cops were on them. <laughs> so I so you have no idea cameras. who they are? No. <laughs> seen so, the people come out, but we don't know either one of them. And what's everybody doing in the house right now? Uh, probably hiding. Hiding? Because <laughs> the cops are around. And scared that the cops might come yeah, in. Exactly. And, <laughs> and might find drugs. Well, I know there's drugs at the front, so what I see it all. What would they do in here? I have no idea. Do you think it's meth or... Think I think it's a little bit of everything. I think it's everything. So you moved in here, and did you move here because the rent's cheap? I moved here because I don't mind the area. It's close okay. to downtown. Like it was, it was location in my friend. Okay, it was location, and yeah. where are you, are you? Did you find a, a similar place? I'm looking at a similar place. Yes, just a street over. A street. Okay, <laughs> because this is this is rough. Rough. <laughs> I mean, to me, this looks like... I come from a very upscale family, and <laughs> right, you right. this is bad. <laughs> okay, I mean, I don't say that, but, but you're, you're going to live here now. Yep. And are you clean? Like, you don't do drugs? I smoke marijuana. That's it? And you're okay <laughs> being here in, like, a kind of... I mean, yeah. 
would you say that this could be a nickname for like a crack house or oh, 100% oh yeah so this so you are voluntarily as a clean guy I grew moving up, into a crack house I grew up around it my whole life so and it's that, nothing new to me did you have you gotten clean is that yeah do, do you think that this maybe might not be the right environment for someone clean you're strong anything this is the best environment because you're really knowing you're strong and what would have to happen for you to be triggered and say i'm gonna you gotta know your triggers and you gotta watch them do you know what your triggers are what are your triggers mm. um nosy people coming and asking you questions <laughs> no. with no. a phone recorder <laughs> no. <laughs> no no okay i'm not a trigger good okay i think the trigger mostly for us because He's the father of my children, just not together. Oh, you guys are like... We're not together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. the father of my children. How many kids do you have? We have four kids. You have four kids together? Yeah. And what? it was to clean up for them. It was to keep so us clean. So you guys have cleaned up for them. Are, do mm -hmm. you, is the goal for you guys to get a house together? No. You're not in love anymore? No. <laughs> you're, but you're good just friends. For, just, well, I love him because he's the father of my children. <laughs> so, okay, how, how old are you guys? <laughs> Like, have to release that. <laughs> yes, I really want to know. Like four I'm 32. Kids. So you, how, what's how old's the eldest? Our oldest is just turned twelve. Wow. Okay. Okay. And then and and, okay. So, I mean, living in a crack house. Are your kids with your parents or? Our uh, our three our one threes are adopted, and our very last one we have lives with my mom, and I have joint custody. Okay, so the other three are adopted. How, yes. how do you feel about the child welfare? How do you feel about the system, the child system? Being a product of the system and same yes. with him, and then seeing our kids in the system. Yeah. They're not there to help the actual parents that need the help, and the ones that should have their children don't. I cleaned up. We both cleaned up you, within a year. Okay, there was no reason for them to take our children. But are they adopted or just in foster Fully care? Fully adopted. They're adopted before we even went to trial. They ripped my baby out of me when I was conceived, like when I gave birth. Wow. Like, how do you deal with that and not, like, that? I still sadness. see my youngest. How old's your youngest? She turns six next month. So you guys had four, so have you guys, when did you guys meet? When you were young? 1918. <laughs> Okay, so you're both, do you think that living here might be harder for you to get your child back? He, I will be the only one that ever gets. Okay, okay. But, because living here, it just seems like you couldn't really have your kids come visit you here. My mom's been here, she has no problem with okay. my apartment. Living, but I mean with the, the different people in here. I wouldn't I mean, bring my child okay, here. Okay, so you would never, no. okay. I don't, that's why I'm moving. I'm getting a two-bedroom so that she okay, can... Okay, so she can be yeah, there. Yeah, okay, I so usually travel to go see her. How, okay, how does someone stay clean living in a crack house? That's amazing. I mean, I that takes so much will. I look at my daughter. She's worth every penny of it. And so do you feel like the system didn't really help you? The system cheated me. I'm one of those cases that are on Facebook with the CAS doing wrong. And I've had lawyers tell me I just need to come up with the money. To go back after CAS. Yeah, because you guys. Like, and seen I've stayed late. clean. I'm happy. I could never have a better life. Like I look back on what I did, and it makes me want to throw up. Honestly.
It really does. And what about work? What do you do for... Uh, I'm a temp work right now. So you guys actually, you have work. You have mm -hmm. all the right criteria. Mm -hmm. And the system... My kid didn't hold on to the kids. After a year, it's done. It's over. I didn't realize that. They expect you to turn the leaf the next day and be clean for the rest of the time. No addicted, or no person that's addicted to a drug can do that. No. They have to no. want to turn in and be better and everything else. So if they don't have that state of mind, they're going to keep relapsing. And did you go to a program? I went to addiction services. So the government supported on that? Yep. Okay, so in here right now, do you think... And it wasn't even hard drugs I was addicted to. No? It was it? pot. <laughs> can, people get a, can people get addicted to I pot? I wasn't. They laughed at me, addiction services. They laughed at me. But can people be addicted to pot? I don't think they can, no. I never did it around my kids. I only ever did it when they went to bed. Okay, so Shelly, this is one of the last houses she was in. Mm-hmm. Um, but has there anybody here that's lived here longer than a year? Yeah, there's two of them. Our super and our old super at the front. They've been here for 14 plus years. Do you think they would ever talk to me? <laughs> Probably not. The one's a drunk and the other one's the crack dealer. <laughs> what, do you know what his name is? I don't know. No. I don't socialize with you people You don't. Like so that. do you just go up to your room? I just... My apartment's in the basement. Okay, so you don't even have to interact with nope. this house. Nope. <laughs> okay, so it's totally separate. So oh, where yeah. So your apartment. This is, is me. <laughs> straight down my apartment. Okay, straight down. Okay, so and then they all kind of They're have a, the so like a rooming house. Or is no, it like separate it's their apartments? apartments. There's two apartments. There's like one in the front and then one upstairs. And then this is an apartment and one out back. So do you think that the super is somewhere, like, do you think if I walked around they'd be out? Or do you no. think they're going to come out once the cops all go? <laughs> probably not. It'll probably be quiet for a bit, actually. <laughs> We've seen the cops come here a couple weeks ago, and after that it was quiet. Thanks for listening to Stand Up, Speak Up. We'll see you next time. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.